welcome to episode 33 of the 3M Fear podcast. In the quiet neighborhood of Enfield, during the year 1977, an unusual story began to unfold. Peggy Hudson, a divorced mother, lived in a cozy house in 284 Green Street in Enfield, London, with her four children. Peggy's children included her two daughters and two sons, Margaret, age 12, Janet H 11, Johnny H 10, and Billy H 7. Everything seemed ordinary until one fateful night on August 30th, the children rushed to their mother, their faces filled with fear. "You won't believe what we saw," they exclaimed. Intrigued and yet doubtful, Peggy listened to her children as they recounted strange occurrences that had just taken place in their bedroom. They spoke of scary shuffling sounds and objects mysteriously moving on their own. Peggy brushed it off as a product of their active imagination, thinking that this is nothing but a childhood nightmare. However, the unusual events did not stop. The following night on August 31st at around 9:30 p.m., Janet, the oldest daughter, woke up suddenly, startled by a shuffling noise coming from a chair in her bedroom. Initially, she thought that it was maybe her younger brother Johnny, that maybe he was playing around and making this noise. Chills ran down Janet's spine as confusion and fear consumed her. She couldn't explain these mysterious sounds. But as she looked around, she realized that Johnny was fast asleep. Desperate to understand, Janet decided to wake up Margaret and see if she could hear these noises too. Whispering to her, she asked if she had heard some shuffling noises coming from the chair. To her surprise, Margaret nodded, confirming that even she could hear these unsettling sounds. Their concern caught the attention of their mother Peggy who came into the room to find out where were these noises coming from Turning on the lights Peggy saw that her children were awake and they were whispering amongst each other She asked them what was going on and they explained that they could hear some strange shuffling noises in their bedroom Annoyed Peggy decided to take action She grabbed the chair believing that This was what was causing all the problem. She took the chair downstairs and left it in the living room, hoping that now her kids would sleep. With the chair gone, she expected everything would go back to normal. But when Peggy returned to the bedroom, she found that Janet and Margaret were still whispering amongst each other. Frustrated, Peggy urged them to go to sleep and turned off the lights. But just as she was about to leave the room, she heard it too. The eerie shuffling sound. Now, they all shared in the chilling experience. From that moment on, their peaceful household was forever changed. The once dismissive mother now faced an unsettling reality. The Enfield poltergeist had made itself known. and its presence would leave an indelible mark in their lives little did they know that this was only the beginning of a haunting tale that would captivate the world 
and baffle experts for years to come. Hello and welcome to the 3AM Fear podcast. I'm Nikita Ferrao, mystery and thriller author. On this podcast, I talk about real crimes and real people. Due to the graphic nature of some of this content, listener discretion is advised. You can find the episode show notes on my website 3amfear.com. Let's get started. The movie Conjuring 2 is based on the Enfield poltergeist haunting. As Peggy tried to make sense of the situation, they heard four loud knocks coming from the wall. They thought that maybe it was their neighbors next door, the Nottinghams. But then, to their horror, the bedroom dresser slid into the middle of the room on its own, defying any rational explanation. Peggy, Janet and Margaret stared in disbelief as the dresser moved again blocking the bedroom doorway. Fear and panic started to grip Peggy as she struggled to push the dresser back into its original position. But it just wouldn't move. Trembling, she realized that something was wrong. Urging her children to come downstairs into the living room, Peggy tried to find an explanation to what was going on. Looking out of the window, they saw that the Nottingham's porch light was still on. This got Peggy to approach their neighbor, Wick. Peggy narrated the bizarre occurrences to Wick, hoping that maybe he would understand and tell her what was going on. At first, Wick was unconvinced, finding it hard to believe what Peggy was saying. Peggy was very scared and hesitant to go back inside her house. After experiencing everything that she did, she couldn't get herself to go back. Wick offered to go with her and help her investigate. As they returned to the Hodgson's house, Wick, who also started hearing these loud knocking noises that Peggy had described, was equally scared. The knocking seemed to follow them as they moved around the house and it was clear that something abnormal was going on. The knocking was distinctive, happening in sets of four knocks with intervals of silence in between. It was as if the knocking was intentionally taunting them and it became scary for Wick as he experienced it firsthand. He couldn't find any logical explanation for the knocking despite searching the house thoroughly. At around 1 a.m. on September 1st, two police officers arrived at the Hodgson's house. Peggy, her children and Wick were all sitting in the living room explaining the exact same events that they had been witnessing. The officers were initially skeptical but became more curious as they heard the knocking sounds themselves. The officers questioned whether this was a prank but Peggy was positive that it wasn't. In the dark living room they all heard the knocking sounds again 
coming from the wall that separated their unit from the neighbors after a pause the knocks moved to a different wall still in sets of four the police decided to search the house thoroughly to find any plausible explanations like maybe there was some issue with the pipes or some electrical problem but they couldn't find anything that could produce the peculiar knocking sounds to talk a little bit about poltergeists Poltergeists are said to be spirits that have fascinated and scared people for a long time with their mysterious and unsettling activities. The word poltergeist means noisy ghost in German, which describes them well because they love making loud noises and causing disturbances. Unlike regular ghosts, poltergeists are not connected to the spirits of dead people. instead they are believed to be caused by strong emotions or energy usually focused around a young person these young people that is mostly teens are often the center of poltergeist activity poltergeists can do a lot of things like moving objects slamming doors shaking furniture and causing strange electrical problems they seem to enjoy scaring and confusing people The duration of a poltergeist activity could vary from a short time to some even going on to months or even years. The Hodgson family was living in constant fear, not knowing what was causing these paranormal occurrences or even how to protect themselves. Peggy reached out to Wick for support and he offered to stay with them. Wick stayed overnight at the Hodgson house hoping to observe and document the strange events. As the night progressed, the activity intensified. Furniture started moving on its own and eerie sounds echoed through the house. Among all the chaos, they decided to call the police once again, hoping for some more assistance. The officers arrived and began their thorough investigation of the property. once again as they searched this time they could also hear these strange banging noises one officer had a chilling encounter that left her stunned she witnessed an armchair moving on its own as if guided by an unseen force it slid several feet across the floor and came to a rest without any visible explanation The officer tried to find some logical reasoning, checking if there were some wires or cushions, anything that could have caused the movement. But nothing seemed to explain this phenomenon. The police officers just concluded by saying, "Your house is haunted. We know it is haunted. Good luck to you. We can't help you." Basically, they left the family on their own. This left the family feeling even more alone and vulnerable. trapped in a house with a mysterious and increasingly active entity after the police officers left peggy and her family were still troubled by this unexplained activity in their house the strange happenings didn't stop and things took a turn for the worse shadowy figures started appearing randomly causing fear and unease among the family especially at night to add to their distress marbles and toys like legos began moving on their own seemingly thrown by an invisible force 
the toys would fly across the room sometimes even hitting family members and causing physical harm but despite all this happening the family did not leave the house you would think that one would want to just run away but no peggy didn't and we will get to that soon the strange happenings although were happening around the house seemed to focus on peggy's two daughters margaret and janet 11 year old janet in particular became the main target of the entity's attacks strangely the entity appeared to grow stronger when the family was together as if it was thriving on their collective energies despite the fear and uncertainty that now filled their home the family had no choice but to suffer day by day they tried to cope with this unexplainable events wondering what this mysterious entity wanted and would they ever stop day after day the occurrences increased and peggy grew desperate for answers and in this desperation because the cops would not help her she decided to reach out to the newspapers hoping maybe someone could shed light on what was happening in her house journalists from the daily mail arrived at the hotson house to report on this peculiar happenings At first, like many others, the reporters weren't sure what was happening or if something was happening. But their skepticism quickly turned to fear when they witnessed the events firsthand. Among the reporters was a journalist named Douglas Benz and a photographer named Graham Morris. When Douglas and Graham first arrived at the house, they were shocked. not because of the entity but because of the condition of the house toys marbles and legos were scattered all over the furniture was flipped in odd positions and the mess made them wonder if the children were behind this whole thing as they began to investigate douglas and graham didn't witness any unusual activity it was a normal day in a normal house with mess all over however that night At around 2:30 a.m. on September 5th, things took a different turn. The reporters had decided to call it a day and leave the house because nothing was happening, and Peggy was relieved because after all these days of being haunted by this entity, she finally had some time off. The entity had not shown itself, and Peggy kind of believed that maybe the entity decided to leave her family. She desperately wanted a good night's sleep and so she was more than happy when the journalist said that they would leave. But as soon as the men left, the house turned into a frenzy of supernatural activity. Legos, marbles and toys began to fly around the house as if some unseen force was causing havoc. The children believing someone was playing a prank became distressed and even started fighting amongst themselves. Peggy was at a loss witnessing all this chaos that happening before her she didn't know what to do it was almost as if the poltergeist was waiting for these journalists to leave just to start troubling the family again but Peggy couldn't take it anymore she raced out of the house and started calling for these two men to come back and see what was happening 
She hoped that if those men entered the house, then the activity would once again stop. Thankfully, Douglas and Graham hadn't left yet. They heard Peggy screaming out to them and hurriedly went back inside. As soon as they re-entered the house, they were greeted by a rush of activity. Everything was flying around the living room as if an unseen force was just throwing things around. Anything that was not nailed to the wall or to the floor was being tossed around. Graham, with his camera in hand, attempted to document the happenings. As he tried to focus his camera, one of the flying Lego bricks struck him in the head, causing a small injury that left a mark for days. Nevertheless, they continued watching these objects fly around while Graham still tried to take some photographs. But something strange happened. When Graham reviewed the photo, it turned out to be a negative and there was a hole in the image. Strangely, the flying Lego brick that they had witnessed in real time was not visible in the photo. None of the other occurrences that they had taken photographs of were in the photo. It was as if the entity didn't want to be photographed. Although they kept telling everyone about this incident, no one seemed to believe them because there wasn't any proof. It seemed like the Enfield poltergeist was deliberately playing with them, hiding from the camera lens and even destroying any photograph that they might have taken. Graham later shared his encounter with the BBC, explaining how objects were flying around the room as if being hurled by an invisible force. He mentioned that the epicenter of these strange happenings was their daughter, Janet. Whenever Janet was around, the activity increased. While in the house, in preparation for this investigation, Graham stepped out of the room and waited next door. As the family entered the room one by one, he noticed a little bit of activity here and there. But as soon as Janet crossed the room, things began to move and fly through the air, seemingly on their own. When the event started taking place in front of the journalists, Peggy was kind of relieved. She now knew that there were at least two more people who believed her. To gather some stronger evidence, the journalist decided to set up a special camera in the children's bedroom. This camera could take pictures automatically and the photographer could control it from another room. If any strange noises were heard, they would activate the camera trying to capture any unusual events on film. Peggy was now extremely frightened by the entity's presence. To feel safer, she made sure that the whole family would sleep together in one room. But despite this, the haunting activity was becoming more intense. Heavy furniture was being thrown across the room and the girls were pulled out of bed by unseen forces and eerie knocking sounds would follow them wherever they went. Hoping that the time-lapse camera might have captured something, the reporters kept a close eye on it. And indeed, on several occasions, the camera captured some chilling and disturbing images. The pictures seemed to show the girls being lifted into the air as if some invisible force was pulling them upward. 
The next morning, Peggy found herself speaking to George Fallows, a senior reporter from the Daily Mirror. Curious about the events, George asked Peggy if she had any plans of moving out. To his surprise, Peggy said no. She shook her head and said, quote, "Absolutely not. I don't want to move out." End quote. Despite all the events that were happening, Peggy was determined to stay in her home. She believed in providing her children with a stable and secure place to grow up. Now I don't know which part of this seemed to be stable and secure, but Peggy's explanation was that she still wanted to stay home so that she could look after her children and make sure that they have a normal childhood. As the days went by, the attacks on the girls became increasingly aggressive. During one terrifying incident, the curtain from a nearby window mysteriously wrapped itself around Janet's neck and began to tighten, as if trying to strangle her. The family was now living in constant fear, unsure of what this force wanted from them. George Fallows suggested that they seek help from experts to analyze the mysterious occurrences. He proposed contacting the Society for Physical Research. one of the oldest and most renowned paranormal investigative bodies dating back to the 19th century the society had a long history of conducting such investigations into unexplained phenomena and were well respected in this field seeing the escalating nature of events at the house peggy agreed it was time to seek professional help she hoped that these experts could shed some light and help her understand what was happening and how could she handle this haunting they sent an experienced paranormal investigator named morris cross to investigate the haunting on the night of september 8th morris douglas and graham gathered inside the house keeping a watchful eye for any signs of paranormal activity they wanted to witness firsthand what was happening suddenly They heard a loud crash that echoed from Janet's bedroom. Without hesitation, Morris rushed up the stairs to investigate. Upon reaching Janet's room, Morris was taken aback to find a chair lying on its side about 4 feet away from its original position. He asked Janet what happened, but she insisted that she was sleeping the entire time and she had no idea when and how this chair moved on its own confused morris decided to wait outside her room hoping to catch any further strange occurrences almost an hour later much to his shock the chair began to move again it was as if an unseen force was pushing it graham managed to capture this finally getting something on his camera the following day the paranormal activity increased A marble whizzed past Morris, narrowly missing him, almost hitting him in the face. He couldn't help but be scared of what might happen. Shortly after this marble incident, the wind chimes on the balcony began to swing violently, despite the absence of any wind. As Morris explored the house, he noticed a chilling presence near his feet, leaving him feeling paralyzed and light-headed. The bathroom door opened and closed on its own, leaving him 
in awe of what was happening. He started to observe a pattern, realizing that whenever Janet was present, something would happen. It seemed like furniture would wobble, silverware would levitate, toys would fly around, but Janet was always there when these things happened. Morris tried to talk to Peggy. He told her about his concerns, but she wouldn't have it. Peggy refused to believe that Janet could be doing something. Morris then realized that maybe the way that he was talking to Peggy was not right. He should approach it in a different way. He told Peggy that no, Janet was not creating these issues. In fact, it might be that the entity had attached itself to Janet or the entity was doing something to Janet or via Janet. It's just that Janet was in the picture, but she was not doing this willingly. As soon as those words left his lips, Morris could see the shock and disbelief in Peggy's eyes. The idea of her daughter being possessed was beyond anything that a mother could comprehend. Peggy rejected anything that Morris said, but he still tried to convince her. By now, everything was getting out of hand, and that's when Morris decided to call in another investigator, Guy Leon Playfair. As the investigation continued, Graham experienced a bizarre incident when his camera flash refused to work. As I said before, the poltergeist seemed to be enjoying itself playing with the cameras, not appearing in the pictures. So here, Graham saw that his camera flash was not working and the resulting picture showed only eerie black shadows. A little while later when he checked, the camera was working just fine. Guy Playfair also encountered a series of unsettling events. In Janet's room, her empty bed moved away from the wall and a chair fell over and no one was near the bed or the chair when these incidents happened. A children's book even flew off the shelf and landed on his feet. Adding to the growing mystery, Janet noticed a haunting sight, an indentation of an unknown face on Peggy's pillow, as if someone had just slept in there. As they tried to make sense of what was happening, Peggy considered the possibility that maybe it was a child spirit. Maybe the spirit was trapped in the house and if that was the case, then maybe the child was just angry or trying to play or maybe irritated. It could be so many different things, but it couldn't be harmful. Guy assured her that if the spirit belonged to a child, then they wouldn't have to worry because maybe the child does not know that it's dead. But as soon as these words slipped Guy's mouth, a chilling scream erupted from Janet's room. Rushing upstairs, Guy and Peggy found the bedroom dresser blocking Janet's path, seemingly moved by an unseen force. They managed to help her out of the corner, but she refused to return to the room for the rest of the night. As days went by, the activity seemed to just increase. Wick Nottingham also started experiencing some events of his own. While in his garden one afternoon, he saw the curtains in one of the Hodgson house windows moving as if someone was trying to open them. To his surprise, he then caught a glimpse of an old woman with grey hair, who suddenly disappeared a few seconds later. 
Morris and Guy set up specialized equipment to capture more evidence of this entity. One method that they used to communicate was through knocking sounds. Morris would ask questions and the entity would respond by knocking. There would be one knock for no and two knocks for yes. These eerie sessions were recorded with a tape recorder. To their shock, they received clear and intelligent responses from this force. I'm going to ask the question and say yes or no based on the amount of knocks that was there. I don't think I'm allowed to play this recording, so I'm just going to tell you the questions and whether the entity said yes or no. Are you a male spirit? Yes. Did you used to live in this house? Yes. Was it more than 50 years ago? Yes. Did you die in this house? Yes. Are you unhappy? No. Why are you here? Is it because you want to give us a special message? No. Are you having a game with me? The spirit didn't respond. Instead, it threw a cardboard box and a pillow at Morris's face. As the investigators got deeper into this mystery, they realized that this entity kind of had a mind of its own. It was not just roaming around, and its intentions were far from friendly. On the 10th of November, Janet celebrated her 12th birthday. Playfair decided to invite an Argentinian psychic named Eduardo. Eduardo brought a magnetometer to investigate the house. During his visit, they experienced strange occurrences. As with anything else, Janet's pillow was being thrown around, items were being thrown around, and the electric magnetic field was fluctuating. Two days later, on November 12th, following Eduardo's advice, Janet placed pens and paper around the house, hoping that this entity would communicate to her. Soon after, mysterious messages started appearing in different locations. Peggy discovered a note on the fridge warning her not to share these messages to anyone or the consequences would be bad. Another message requested a tea bag, and when Peggy complied, a torn tea bag appeared beside it. When Peggy's ex-partner visited, she couldn't resist but show him the messages, and in response, a new message appeared. The entity said that it was watching and it didn't like that Peggy was sharing these things with someone else. On November 29th, the first medium, Luis Gasparetto from Brazil, visited the family accompanied by his interpreter, Elsie. They offered spiritual healing, which brought some relief. During his trance-like state, Luis produced drawings and paintings. After their departure, Janet began producing somewhat similar paintings and pictures while in a trance-like state. One of the pictures contained the name Watson. It was later that they discovered that a family with that name had previously lived in this house. The wife had died from a throat tumor similar to the one depicted in Janet's drawings. On December 3rd, a disturbing incident occurred when Janet was found sliding down the stairs head first while still asleep. On December 10th, more members of the Society for Psychic Research, Dr. John Beloff and Anita Gregory, joined the investigation. The team decided to challenge the entity to communicate with them using strange sounds like whistles and barking. 
eventually a gruff voice identifying itself as Joe Watson began to speak but the following night it said that it was not Joe Watson but Bill Wilkins the next day Morris Cross's son Richard a newly qualified solicitor assisted in questioning the entity's presence by now i guess you understand that more and more people were being called into the house trying to find out who this poltergeist was but no one no one was able to figure out who this poltergeist was or what it wanted after a week of communication with the entity through knocking sounds the haunting took a much darker and sinister turn janet started to produce these deep barking noises this strange development left everyone scared fearing that something might be wrong morris asked the entity to say its name and to his shock the barking noises started to transform into words morris said i want you to call out my name because my complete name is morris cross did you hear that everyone was shocked when janet's voice took on a different tone speaking in a deep manly voice the voice was bad tempered and used foul language completely different to how janet would respond soon multiple voices started to come each one claiming to be a different person as they investigated further they asked how many voices were there and the entities responded with many different names now no one was sure whether these were different entities or was it the same entity posing as different entities basically the more questions they asked the more questions that came their way among the multiple voices there was one name that stood out bill wilkins this voice seemed to have a stronger connection to the entity and took on a more important role in the haunting Naturally many people were skeptical they weren't sure whether this was actually the entity or if it was Janet who was making these noises they thought that maybe these girls were faking the noises so to address these doubts the investigators placed a special microphone against Janet's throat the place where sounds were produced the microphone showed that Janet was not using her vocal cords but a part of the larynx called the false vocal fold to make these sounds using the false vocal cord is quite possible but it causes a lot of discomfort and damage and a normal person would not be able to use it for a long period of time but janet did not have this issue she didn't seem tired she didn't seem like she was in any form of discomfort in fact she was even talking in this voice for about 2 to 3 hours at a stretch this got the investigators to believe that janet was not producing these voices but just to be sure to further test these voices morris conducted an experiment he filled janet's mouth with water and placed a tape over her mouth making it impossible for her to make any more noises despite this the voice of bill wilkins still came through loud and clear when the voice stopped janet would spit out the water leaving everyone shocked at one point the voice said quote i went blind and then i had an image and not very sleep and i died in a chair in the corner downstairs end quote 
This they believed was Bill Wilkins talking about himself and the way that he died. Now, no one took this seriously until the BBC aired a documentary about this haunting and this recording was played in that documentary. And then came a man named Terry Wilkins. He revealed that his father's name was Bill Wilkins. He did live in that house and this was the exact way that he died. Bill Wilkins had been found dead in an armchair in the corner of the room having fallen asleep after suffering a hemorrhage exactly how the voice had described it by now although some people believed that this was the real spirit of Bill Wilkins some of them were not 100% convinced they thought that maybe it was a demonic entity trying to portray itself as an old man who was lonely and died alone As more and more people communicated with the poltergeist, it seemed to grow stronger and stronger. As the haunting continued, it became quite clear that the more attention it got, the stronger and the happier the poltergeist was. The occurrences started taking a dangerous turn, especially for Janet, who would enter into these trance-like states. She would become violent and her condition was so severe that the doctors had to administer tranquilizers. to calm her down concerned about her well-being she was taken into psychiatric care for evaluation but despite multiple tests being done on her no doctor could understand what was happening with her two witnesses a baker and a lollipop lady who were passing by the house reported seeing janet levitating in her upstairs bedroom window during one incident she was thrown violently against the glass frightening the witness Janet later said in an interview that she thought that she may break the glass and just fall the haunting went on for nearly 2 years terrifying the family and everyone involved with them but just as suddenly as it had began the entity vanished leaving behind a trail of evidence and frightened people after that the entity would never come again I took up this case because it's one of the most popular Warren cases. We have almost reached the end of the story. We know that the poltergeist is gone. So you might be wondering, where are the Warrens? The Warrens did briefly come. They were very busy with their cases in the United States and as this was happening in the United Kingdom, they did come, but they came for a very short period of time. They came, they checked out the place for any demonic entity. and they ended up telling people that there was some demonic presence there but they didn't contribute as much as it is shown in the movie now although their impact on this case was very less they were a huge part of the movie the conjuring 2 the movie showed that the warrens were an important part of the story that they had helped the family they had done everything for the family but to be honest the warrens were a very small part of the hotson family case Some even said that the Warrens were kind of uninvited guests, but I'm not sure about that. There was a lot of debate after the entity thing was over. People were not sure whether the entity was real or not. Some believed that the girls were just playing a prank and maybe they took it too far. They didn't realize and by the time they realized it was too late. There are many aspects to this because it did not quite fit in the haunting series. Now Playfair also noticed that some things did not fall into place and he wasn't sure if the girls were playing some kind of tricks. 
Anita Gregory on the other hand thought that the case was blown way out of proportion. She believed that maybe the family was doing this for money or for fame. To be honest to give you a good description of the place they lived in an apartment it's not like they lived in an old mansion that was passed down for generations and then there was a haunting spirit that lived in the mansion and this new family moved in it's not like that they were living in an apartment so the whole idea of having an entity in an apartment that suddenly came tortured them tortured people around them and then suddenly vanished it kind of didn't fit into the whole haunting scenario for most of the people morris cross stayed in touch with the family until he passed away at the age of 87 in 2006 as he grew older he spent a lot of time defending his investigation saying that the place was actually haunted guy playfair active as an author researcher and member of the spr council peggy lived in the house until she passed away in 2003 Janet left her home when she was 16 and got married early. Sadly, her brother John passed away in 1981 at the age of 14. Over the years, both Janet and Margaret appeared on several TV shows. They continued to speak about their experiences, saying that it was genuine. In a newspaper article in 2011, Janet mentioned that even after her mother passed away, she could somewhere feel this entity's presence. but not the haunting now comes the surprising part janet admitted that she and her siblings made up a few things she said quote yes sometimes we faked it just to see if mr gross and mr playfair would notice they always did end quote she later confessed that only a small part that's about 2% of this whole haunting was fake was it completely fake or just 2% of it fake it kind of brings everything into question how much of what they were telling was the truth this is why everyone is questioning whether the haunting was real or not it took years for janet to open up and say that a small part of the haunting was fake so how much of it was fake the enfield haunting has left a lasting impact inspiring various horror movies and TV shows the most popular one of course was the conjuring 2 now whether the enfield poltergeist haunting is real or not is still a mystery one that no one has been able to solve thank you so much for being with me through this episode i hope you liked it if you have not listened to the real story behind conjuring 1 then i'll link it in the description do check it out because it's really interesting It's a completely different story but it's really interesting. A big thank you to all my fellow listeners who have been listening to all my episodes. Thank you so much. Your listens, your support means a lot. If you love my podcast, if you love the stories that I put out, then please do follow me on whichever podcasting platform you are listening from and please do leave a rating. It will really help me a lot. If you have been listening to me on Stitcher, then please know that stitcher is planning to discontinue podcasts so as of august 29th there will be no podcast available on stitcher you can listen to me on other platforms including spotify apple podcasts and any other podcasting platform if you are in india you can always listen to my podcast on gana or jio savan a quick note i am going to be traveling the next week so i will not be able to put out an episode next week but i'll definitely put one out the one after that 
If you love to listen to strange and mysterious stories, then follow me on Instagram and YouTube where I put out reels on such stories. These are completely different from the ones that I put out on my podcast, so do follow me on them. If you love travel, you can follow me on my travel channels. I'll link them also in the description. Until then, stay kind and stay safe out there.